Hey everybody, thank you so much for supporting the first episode of the season of the podcast and I hope you will enjoy today's episode just as much. So today I'm talking with Maria James who marched for Virginia Union University. And so I wanted to make sure that HBCUs of all sizes, of all conferences are represented on this this podcast and also in the HBCU Experience, HBCU Alumni Second Edition book that is out on Amazon right now. Shameless plug. And also it's, it's a number one bestseller in our category. Back to Maria. So Maria James, she represents Virginia Union University. And I want to make sure that all bands, all HBCU bands get their shine. And so I couldn't imagine what it would be like if the program that I marched for completely folded and disbanded. Now, Virginia Union is back now. Luckily, they're back now. But there was a time when the band just ceased to exist. And I couldn't imagine that um, in my program. I could not imagine that. But talking with Maria and finding out what somebody in that situation did, it's just a really interesting conversation. Um, She's a cool person. And so without further ado, here's my interview with Maria James of Virginia Union University. Okay. Hi, everybody. I am here with Miss Maria James. Now, Maria, she marched for Virginia Union University, and I'm so glad to have her on this podcast because, you know, Virginia Union is a smaller program, and I wanted to make sure that, you know, all HBCU bands got some kind of light. And so if there's anything I know about Maria, she is going to rep Virginia Union, and I'll let her get into that. But how are you doing, friend? I'm wonderful. How are you? Good, good. I'm glad to have you on here. <laughs> Thank you. I was just saying, I feel like we've known each other forever. Yes. Our, our fifth quarter days. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So we, we are going to get right into it. So Maria, why don't you tell me about where you're from? Where's your hometown? Virginia Beach. I was born okay. and raised in the area. Um, grew up in a neighborhood called SeaTac which mm-hmm. is at the oceanfront. A lot of people really got to know SeaTac through Pharrell, who grew up in SeaTac. Um, my mom knew his grandmother, knew the family. We attended church together. Um, it's so funny. I can remember seeing him come in church and like, I'm like, you know, you're supposed to be paying attention, but I'm like looking. <laughs> yeah. like, he didn't just come by himself. He had an entourage coming into church. I was All like, right. okay. So um, yeah, grew up in that area. And then also... Um, Magic Hollow, which is closer to like Lynn Haven Parkway. Mm-hmm. Um, yep, that's how I was born and raised until I went to, you know, lived there until I went to college in Richmond. Okay, okay, cool. So let's talk about your musical history. So did you grow up in a musical family? Like, when did you first get introduced to music? Good question. I, I feel like, so I'm a PK, for those who don't know what that means, as a you know, preacher's kid. So grew up in Church of God in Christ, born and raised father's pastor everyone in my family had some role in the church and so and like my family my mom um sung in the choir she actually sang in like the mass choir that the Kojic has uh under the the direction of um Dr. Uh, Maddie Moss Clark you know I didn't ask her about the whole shoe throwing thing but you know (laughs) (laughs) but I knew that there was a standard in music that 
you know, we were raised in. So I was raised in the choir in terms of the vocal side and, you know, singing, children's church, all that kind of stuff. So the instrumental part came because honestly, and I, I share, you know, some of the story, um, didn't want to do, uh, going into middle school, there was a period when you have to choose an elective. And mm-hmm. my sister and I, who I should start off saying, I started school when I was four. So she and I went to through school pretty much in the same grade every year. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, people just thought we were twins. And so we had to choose an elective. And I just didn't feel like, I didn't want to do woodshop class. I didn't want to do mm-hmm. home ec. I feel like, you know, those was this cliche, like stuff I just was not into. And so the only other option I think was, um, I think there was choir and then there was band. And so we in fifth grade, so fifth grade year going into the middle school. So Virginia Beach, they transitioned from junior high to middle school. So we were actually the first sixth grade class uh, that year to be uh, middle school students. And so the school I attended, um, Plaza Middle School, had always had a reputation of being, having a really good band program. Like if you even go back to the school now, all the trophies are around like the band room area because mm-hmm. um, they always won competitions and stuff. So I was like, you know what? I, I tried out the little mouthpiece. I don't know if they even do that anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when I was in elementary school, they like, you mm-hmm. know, had the mouthpiece and see which one fit. And mm-hmm. I think the flute mouthpiece is what, stuck with me um and so I had a cousin who was like she mastered like all these instruments and she won awards and so she won two instruments like she won a flute and she won a clarinet and that became our instruments (laughs) okay okay (laughs) so it was like one of those things where you know as a mother you know growing up sort of like middle lower class household she wasn't gonna go out and just buy two instruments so mm-hmm. when she she made it happen though she like knew okay we wanted to do music wanted to do band and it was like talk to our cousin and her her sister's um daughter and you know to this day I'm so thankful that she was willing to give up you know these two instruments that she won she could have said no like these are mine but she she didn't she gave them away and so I just remember that conversation of okay here's what we have Mm-hmm. And I remember being, I'm the youngest uh, in the family. I have a sister and um, two brothers. And I just said, I'm going to do the flute. That was the first thing that came out of my mouth. And my sister was like, okay, I guess I have the clarinet. That's how my flute journey started. Okay, that is, that's cool. So you're learning the flute, you're going through middle school, and then you get to high school. Did you march? I, I think I know the answer to this being that I'm from the 757 as well, but I'm going to ask it for other people. Did you march in a core style band or high stepping? So my journey is very interesting because I did not march in high school. Okay. I attended Ocean Lakes High School and that was a core style uh, type band. I actually, so going back to my middle school years, our middle school program, even though it it started off for junior high. So the band director, that's all he knew. He was doing junior high programming. So we actually had marching band, uh, concert band um, through our, our middle school years. So doc, uh, Dr. King, Mr. King, that's his name. He um, ran our program. We were treated like high schoolers. We weren't, you know, we were expected, like the amount of discipline and, um rehearsals and you know we didn't just get our position as flutes you know everybody had to 
do the chair test. You had to know mm-hmm. your music. <laughs> I remember it was Manila Macha, which it sounds, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a very complex kind of song for mm-hmm. someone that young to start to learn how to play. And I remember seeing like the older girls playing the piccolos and how special that was for them mm-hmm. to get to play that. And they had both the flute and the piccolo. So I'm like, you know, that was something you had to work up to. It wasn't something that was just given to you. Mm-hmm. And so we, they ended up, this, I guess the city of Virginia Beach ended up, I guess at some point saying they could no longer have marching man mm-hmm. and so so my sixth and seventh year grade year like i said we were on it our program was really tight we were winning awards uh we did solo and ensemble so we would get those um we had to do a lot of sight reading and things like that so our program wasn't just about you know playing the music but it was understanding your how to be a musician and so you know how to sit or all of that you know how to present yourself as a musician and so the I remember my band director having a conversation when I was gonna transition to um, that last year going into high school and he was like well you know what do you plan to do I actually was a musician of the month one of the years because I would actually go and rehearse all the time I was there in the morning it was just something I just wanted to be I had to be first chair Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like I was going to be any other seat other than first chair. And anybody who's a musician <laughs> who grew up, and it's funny because I don't know if you've watched uh, the um, Wonder Years, they mm-hmm. had something about that where the, the young man was talking about the chair test mm-hmm. uh, and how important that was. And so I share all this because, you know, I got when that conversation had, he's, he was like, I recommend that you don't stop because, you know, you have a gift. And if you stop, you know, you're going to, really lose a lot of your skills that you have. And I remember him having that conversation with me and I didn't, I was just like, okay, you know, I'm gonna take this, I'm gonna think about this. Uh, In my household at the time, my father started to become ill and it was that transitional year of those years. So middle school going into high school, his health started to really decline. And so my sister and I made this, you know, I feel like it was such a mature decision. We decided, to, in order to not have a financial burden on our mom, we decided that we were going to not do band because we knew band was going to come with financial responsibility. And mm-hmm. so instead, those four years in high school, I didn't do any band. And so wow. we did uh, language instead. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, that was, it was interesting because I think one time I did have to, I played my flute for something that was in the drama and, you know, mm-hmm. people didn't realize that I played and, but other than that, like, um, really, when I got to Virginia Union, I just knew I was going to be in the band. Like, so let's, I, let's, let's let's talk about that. So mm-hmm. Virginia Union, how, how did you get there? Like, when did you first hear about the, the university? What made you want to say, yes, I'm going to go here? Tell me about that. I feel like when people apply to college, like you're, I don't know, I just feel like I didn't, I mean, from the 757, I knew a lot of people were going to go to Norfolk State. They were going to Hampton. Uh, I knew Howard was, you know, the places to kind of be where everybody was talking about. Outside of, you know, our school, people were going to UVA and mm-hmm. schools like that. But I knew HBCU was the only track for me. I even, it was funny. I remember thinking, so being from the 757, you know, Alan Iverson was like, is the man, you know? And so I remember thinking at the time, Georgetown was HBCU. And I remember the day when I realized that it was not. <laughs> I was just like, what? Oh, you you are to- not the first person that has said that. I've, I've heard that <laughs> plenty of times before. 
Um, and you know, you know, Alan Iverson went to high school with me. So oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. so it was just that, you know, love of that. So, anyways, when I was choosing which schools to apply to, my love was journalism. And I had done journalism through in high school and just enjoyed writing. And so I was really looking for a school that had a really a good like communications program or journalism as a as a focus. And I don't know if you remember those big, you go into the counselor's office and they had those big textbooks mm-hmm. this is before, I feel like I'm dating myself but this was like you know the late 90s when it was more so you were looking at the textbooks and then the internet was like available in the in the library but the mm-hmm. books were which I was really looking at so I had to like find the journalism program find what schools had journalism and <laughs> so I applied to Hampton I applied to Howard and I remember my mom saying well you need to have a third choice and you know, just to have some options. And it amazes me now when I see students that get like, you know, hundreds of applications and hundreds of acceptances because mm. my mind wasn't there. I was just like, let me just see where I can get into. And I had good grades and stuff, but it just, we were becoming like, I guess, technically second generation. My great aunt had went to Hampton mm-hmm. um, and really nobody else had really went to school outside of maybe community college or they didn't go to university level. So it was my sister and I that were the first of our generation to do that outside of my great aunt. And so I don't know, Virginia was in that book and I saw journalism and I was like, it's HBCU. Look, it was checking off boxes. So I said, okay, I'm gonna apply to Virginia Union. Uh, And I found out that my great aunt's, uh, so my great uncle, her husband went to Virginia Union uh, I guess a couple of semesters before he enlisted. And so he, you know, spoke very highly of it. And I just remember going into the library and, you know, you kind of doing those searches and looking at the campus mm-hmm. pictures and all that. So I was accepted to all of the schools. And I remember choosing Virginia Union, really financial reasons, because they offered me an academic scholarship. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay. Again, thinking about where can my mom get to easily? Where, you know, what were the financial? And I, you know, I kind of feel proud of myself at that time thinking of those things because I could have easily, I wanted to, initially I was thinking about grambling. I was like, yeah. I don't know. I just had a really big thought and I just kind of, as my senior year came, I was like, okay, the reality of she's going to have to get to me. I'm going to have to figure out these things. So at least in Richmond, you could drive to it. It was far enough that I felt like I still had that independence. So that's how I ended up choosing Virginia Union. And I will also say not, you know, I'm not saying anything against the other schools. I, I still think really highly of both universities. I just felt like Virginia Union was home. It was mm-hmm. small enough for me that I felt like I was not going to just be, I don't want to say just a number. Cause I know that people say that a lot, but it is, it, it was small enough where I didn't feel too overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't even go, I remember I did go to Howard's campus and, you know, cause it's an urban environment. I was like, oh no, this is not going to work <laughs> I'm coming from little Virginia, Virginia beach. And it's mm-hmm. like, you know, Norfolk was the biggest city for us. And even that was like urban. And it's funny. Cause I felt like I moved progressively to more urban environments, um, as I started to get in my career. But at that time I was like, oh no, this is. I don't see myself going across town to go to classes and mm-hmm. all that. So, yeah. So that's how I ended up choosing Virginia Union. 
Okay, that, that's good. Okay, so let's talk about your freshman year band camp or your first year that you were in band camp. At, and you know, you had been out for four years. Mm-hmm. And so what was that like to transition back to being in a, in a band and a college band at that? Yeah, uh, I feel like when I joined, so this was in 99, um, that was my freshman year. They had the, I just knew in my head, I was going to be in the band. I didn't know what, how I was going to make that happen. I even brought that, that flute from, you know, the fifth grade middle school. That's all I had was my middle school flute. So I brought that with me to college Mm -hmm. and, (laughs) and the fresh, the first week that was like, you know, when you're first moving as freshmen, it was only freshmen. So nobody else was on campus. And then that second week, that's when the football players, you know, athletes and, and I guess the band members, they were, you know, able to come and that was their band camp. Um, and so it's funny when I was thinking about this, thinking then about the band camp experience, I literally, and I, I shared this story. I was just like, I just walked in the door. I, I was just like, I want to, you know, can I join? <laughs> That's really, uh, can I join? And I remember being so nervous and I interrupted a uh, rehearsal. So I'm just like, in <laughs> a uh, chief, uh, Greg McCallum, he's our uh, band director. Or at the time he was the band director, um, had been there for, I think since the eighties, I want to say um, long history um, with the program. And it was just like, he was like, come on in. And I sat in the front row and that's when my journey began. And I will say with the, it was a lot of laughter, a lot of uh, positive sort of you belong here kind of like, at first I I just, I just knew I could do it. Cause I, I was thinking in my head, like our middle school program was structured so well that, you know, the stuff that I experienced in college, it wasn't new to me. It was mm-hmm. like, we knew we rehearsed like we were in high school and college level. That's how Mr. King ch- taught us. So, um, you know, I always thank him for that um, accountability that he made sure we had and also the quality. So even though I hadn't played in four years, I was able to pick my instrument up and essentially, you know, I did have, look, I had my fingering chart. <laughs> I still had that fingering chart, the best in class. Mm-hmm. I brought that with me and I was like, you know, I had to refresh myself, but once I did like, you know, kind of like getting on back on that bike, I, you know, I was able to do it. And I remember chief, um, being like, you know, in this band, we don't, you know, we don't play with, use a flute. So you're going to need a piccolo. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that was, that was like my all time. The thing I always wanted was to be able to move up to that piccolo. And so that was a little, um, uh, I just had to do it. You know, I was a, a little, because it was such a high pitch is people just think, oh, it's smaller, you know, but if you never played the flute, like, you know, your embouchure has to change. I was going to say you get winded, you get, you can get dizzy. Yeah. It was good because to switch to that, because I feel like if I had March and I see people march with flutes and, you know, they can have it. Cause I felt like with the piccolo, I was able to move a little bit better and, you Mm -hmm. know, it was just easier to function in a high stepping marching man uh experience and that was the other thing so in middle school we were core style and Mm -hmm. we were really sharp at it so learning I had to learn the high stepping I had to relearn marching you know in you know in your uh 
lines and how to keep the lines straight and those mechanics. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, the, you know, the biggest thing I remember is look running. <laughs> That's all I remember <laughs> is running because we had to, when he said block band, you had to get to your spot in a certain time. If you didn't make it there, I mean, we literally knock it, knock it down stands. It was like serious, like mm-hmm. to get to your spot and parade rest. And, he, you know, that's not being, not moving. Um, you know, the, all that structure was things, were things that were, I had to learn quickly. And mm-hmm. I remember the other alumni band members and, um, you know, I guess upperclassmen, you know, kind of showing me the rope, showing me how to march and all that kind of stuff. And they kind of took, took us under their wing and showed us all that stuff. And then, so. Yeah. So let's talk about your, let's say, you know, any battles that you've had, that you remember or any bands or any bands or rivalries that you face. Oh, and if I, just a brief moment, go back to that question about the band band camp. I did, you know, that year, I didn't really remember like a structured band camp, but I will say the following years we had, it definitely was band camp. And if anybody, you know, knows anything about band camp, it was hot, mm-hmm. it was sweating, you, you know, we're marching on the football field, the few times that they, you know, the university allowed you, cause you know, the precious field is... <laughs> Right. Any school, like, especially I get it because the lines and stuff and having to, at the time now, you know, our field is all, it's fancy now. We have mm-hmm. like the, the turf now, but before it was like a regular, you know, grass field. So they had to like, you know, put the chalk lines and stuff like that. So during the summer was a time when we didn't have to worry about all that. And so uh, I do remember one time we had to, we had a uniform. So we had to go get these, those black military style boots and it was just told to us, like, this is the outfit that you need to have. And I remember scraping together the money. We went to an army sur- surplus store mm-hmm. in the southeast, south side of uh, Richmond. <laughs> All of us, like, we pulled our money together. We helping each other out. And, and that's the thing that, you know, I, I always loved about the band experience. It was like, if I had something, somebody else had, you know, we checked on each other, made sure everybody was good, you know, having to get a ride. That was a big thing, having to get the money, but we made it happen and we got those boots and we were dressed to, you know, every single time we were ready. So I just wanted to, you know, bring that up that the band camp experience, it's interesting because people now, you know, talk about that, like the strenuousness of the heat and all that people falling out. (laughs) I don't want to say we fell out, but we were close to it. Oh yeah. I mean, if you, if you know, you know, like they say, like, exactly. <laughs> Look, somebody pull you to the side and you kind of like get yourself together and mm-hmm. you know, nobody really truly fell out, but I feel like, you know, getting that water and trying to like, it was a point where you drunk too much water and then that's not a good thing either. And yeah. Oh, <laughs> I made the mistake. It was one, it might've been my freshman year, freshman band camp of, I ate like a big breakfast and then or maybe I ate like a big lunch or something like that. And I was like, oh, I don't need dinner because I'm still full from lunch. Oh, don't do that. Yeah. Ooh, yeah, yeah, don't do that. Body. And, it, you know, back then I was younger. So I started college when I was 17. So, so did I, yeah. You know, you're 17, mm-hmm. you know, those younger body, you still think 
you're figuring all that out because before somebody was telling you okay lunch breakfast lunch and dinner now you have the freedom to do you know anything you want to you got to figure out how what's going to work and yeah I never skipped a meal during camp ever again because I was <laughs> like yeah I, I kind of forced myself to eat like I was like I have to have something on my stomach but yeah, but anyway all the, all the exercise and the running to this day I feel like I have, I don't know what that phobia is called, but I have a phobia of the stands <laughs> running up and down those stands. And I, okay, I personally, so, so let's talk about your stands because I heard that those y'all stadium was, was kind of janky. I'm going to just put it out there. Like it, you know, it's interesting that the university, it is, it's definitely a very historic. Like it's, I think that campus, I shouldn't say, I think I know it was 1899 when they first had classes on that campus so you know the history of virginia union it started off as a slaves jail like further downtown in richmond like um kind of near shaco bottom um they have like a whole statue there now that's dedicated to it um but then you know eventually it moved to where it is now they didn't always it didn't always have a football field so i guess you know as time goes on the field was there i really feel like i mean now it's the, you know, Willie Lanier uh, football field. There's been a lot of investment. Uh, I will, you know, shout out our, our wonderful president, uh, Dr. Lucas and his administration. There's been a lot of, and alumni as well, who've been given, giving and supporting to renovate that whole area. And there's more to come for that. There's more um, development that's going to happen that I feel, you know, it's, everyone says about time, but I feel like you know, once you become alumni, you know, the back of the uh, financial and all the, all the other stuff that comes with doing that. So when I was in school, 99 till 2004, yeah, well, 2003, December, 2003. Yeah. It was on that side, the visitor side, it was rough. And to be honest, we were kind of like, you know, y'all visitors. So (laughs) (laughs) well, my friends from Norfolk State, my friends that marched for Norfolk State, they were like, Oh, Virginia Union Stadium. Yeah, but they, they would be the visitors. They would be the visitors. So, okay, so let's talk about some battles you went through. Yeah, um, and when you brought up that, um, the Norfolk State, um, I, so when I, looked, I started in 99, so we still had Gold Bowl, which if anybody yeah. from Richmond, Gold Bowl really was homecoming for the university. Like the entire city of Richmond would come out. You couldn't, you know, the street would be shut down. It was just so many people. It was really uh, the, a really nice bowl game. And we also, you know, that was when we were play some of the more competitive teams. So um, Norfolk State, my freshman year was Norfolk State. And so I remember them coming and sitting in the stands. And, you know, I remember thinking, okay, because I really hadn't been across from like Norfolk State per se to like for them to play and everything. Um, and I was like, okay, this is, Cause I feel like we have been taught, you know, you pretty much need to leave it on the field. Like you need to all that talking and stuff like that. Like, oh, that's nice. And yeah, we're going to represent our school regardless. We were taught to have pride in our program. Mm-hmm. Um, and regardless of whoever's sitting across from you, first of all, we needed to know our music and everybody, you know, had to play. Cause again, we were a smaller school. And so chief was all about, you know, he would do the arrangements and things of the song that would, I guess, cater to the what we, what we had, essentially. So all the musicians that we had and things like that. And we always got a lot of compliments because even to this day with our, you know, our program as it is now, it's 
um, all about playing your part. Like we've even taught that to the students. You need to play your part. You need to drive. You need to, it's about you in, in this big group. So when the Norfolk State came, I wasn't like, oh, this is a big school. They're going to blow us out. We never really were taught like that. We were like, mm-hmm. this is our field. This is our home. We're going to do the best show that we can and represent. So when Norfolk State came, I was kind of like, oh, okay, that's nice. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's good. I took that to heart, that, that loyalty to the program. So yeah. they definitely came and we were taught any, you know, of course, you know, the visitors usually play first and then, you know, your home team plays last. Mm-hmm. So, and at this time, the CIAA, which, you know, um, we're still a part of today, it's had a lot of changes over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, when I started, you could play in between the timeouts. I mean, before the timeouts, you could play. You didn't have to wait till timeout and try to figure all that out that rule came like I feel like in 2000 yeah yeah it was early 2000s because I everybody I remember online everybody going crazy like swag Mm -hmm. rules blah 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 you know all of those kinds of things so yeah and I think so other battles that you know I think of um you know definitely Virginia State that was definitely you know I feel like our biggest in terms of rival um you know, they always, even Gold Bowl, but I remember, you know, we, that year, I think that was 2000 when we played them for Gold Bowl and, or, you know, it was always a homecoming or Gold Bowl, one of the two. And I remember we were like, that's when Shut Up came out. Yes. <laughs> we were like, V State, we forgot one thing, Shut Up. And everybody was like, oh. <laughs> I remember that whole dance routine and everything. Um, mm-hmm. So that was, you know, a really good battle. Um, I think, and we had, a, we had a, I feel like back then we had a lot of respect for each other as programs and stuff in general. Like, you know, a lot of that stuff, we talked smack and stuff. But at the end of the day, it was like love, everybody, you know, all that. Um, I think Bowie State was another program. I definitely remember one time they came, their little, whatever they call those, you know, their cheering squad, they uh-huh. came over to our side and like pretty much like threw all of the stuff down underneath the stands and like our whole side, like they got into a big fight and mm. yeah. So that, we you know, we were underneath cause they were like, okay, Ben, y'all need to, we need to focus. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that was, um, it wasn't the band so much. It was like their, um, crowd their people right 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 yeah and Mm -hmm. so but I will say um like I said we were taught to have a lot of respect for our each other and to support one another nobody you know and this is probably most band programs nobody could walk in between our lines you can't go in between our block like and we were like ready we have fought we fought maybe or like got ready to fight and you know just because that that respect like you're not going to disrespect us Mm-hmm. And, you know, we were taught to hold our own on the field, in the stands, like um, our other our director. So assistant director at the time was Sean Owens. And so okay. Sean became my our band director after um, I feel like that 2001 time. So 2001, that's when our uh, football team won the CIAA football uh, championship. And we went to we won went to the Pioneer Bowl. 
So yes. So, yes. so yeah, the Pioneer Bowl was the CIAA and the SIAC. Uh-huh. Yep. Oh, I remember we, that. We mm-hmm. played against uh Tuskegee. Yep. Yep. And um I remember that because we rehearsed and rehearsed and rehearsed. And we were playing at the Georgia Dome. And because I don't even think they have the Pioneer Bowl anymore. Um, no, they don't. They they would play it. It would be like the either the day or the week after the uh-huh. um the Heritage Bowl. Okay. That that was the MIAC and the SWAC. Yeah, because I remember going down there one time to those. So, so that was a really good game. I remember actually we caused the the football team to get a penalty. Um, yeah. <laughs> they were they were already losing. Lord, I love you all, football team, but y'all were like <laughs> <laughs> at the time it was like it was turned out to be like a blowout and mm-hmm. you know i guess it didn't help that you know we were playing and like because we, we know how the other teams you know play so we were like playing the same way and they called a penalty on us and it was just like i remember that wasn't so good <laughs> but other than that you know i think that was for me the part one of the bigger uh games we did travel too and i you know anybody who's in hbcu bands and you travel you know, it's just like, I feel like you become more closer together mm-hmm. um, and, you know, all the experiences that you, you take to your grave. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. So you kept your journalism major while at Virginia Union mm-hmm. and you, that's what you graduated with, right? Yep. It was a mass communications degree. Okay. Okay. Good. Good. So, so what are you doing now? So um, I'm the external communications manager uh, for a healthcare company. When I first started with the company, I was on the federal side. So I worked with the um, Army Resilience Directorate contract. So I was really proud of that work, uh, working with um, the suicide prevention program, SHARP. So SHARP is also sexual harassment and sexual assault prevention program. And so um, particularly we worked on that program. Um, it was doing a really challenging time um, when things were happening and sexual assault was becoming a really a huge, it's a, it was a huge problem. And so it was really nice to be able to work on a program um, to develop materials and help to help the soldiers of the army deal with um, these important issues like sexual assault, um, substance abuse, prevention, awareness and prevention. And um, also this like mental health, we did talk about PTSD and, you know, all sorts of things like that. So, um, Mm -hmm. and I transitioned over to our corporate side. So working with our um, other sides of our, all the businesses um, and working with the media. So I transitioned, um, I started off in journalism. I worked for a daily newspaper and um, before I left Union, I will say I had 11 internships. Uh, and 11? so I had 11. Wow. <laughs> so I was working two at a time, um, usually each semester. I uh, would, because, and I really give credit to Miss, um, I always say Miss Mildred uh, Marie Britt. So Miss Britt, uh, she uh, really instilled with us that she worked in the Office of Workforce Development at that time. And so she, you know, created the clothing closet. And I remember I had an internship at the Federal Reserve Bank of Richmond uh, at the time, which is very, probably the most corporate job I had had at that time. Um, Very structured. You had to wear a suit jacket. And I remember the 
nurse, our school nurse, and her putting their you know money together and buying me a, a jacket so that I could wear this jacket. And I had this black jacket. Look, that was the only thing I had. So that black jacket went with every outfit I had. <laughs> yeah, well, look, I, I appreciate you shouting out your career services professional as one myself. Okay. That's what I do. And so, yeah, I'm so glad you shouted it out. That that made, that did my heart a little bit good. That, yeah, that it made a well. difference. I mean, like, I still remember today, you know, the fact that they bought that jacket for me and mm-hmm. like I started off in journalism and decided to get a master's degree. In addition to your work and your school and all that success, yeah. I know you, <laughs> you know, if, if it's one, it's one thing about you, Maria, you going to rep. Virginia Union's band. And so tell, tell us how you're still involved in, in helping out the band. Good question. And I am glad you asked me that because the band definitely, I guess all that energy, all the, those, the four years that I was in the band, I was actually, excuse me, one of the, I guess, last people to be in the band program. And I guess that Oh, three timeframe before the band was dismantled. Um, and so our university went without a band program until I want to say 2014, 2013, 2014. So that really broke my heart. Like all that effort, all that, you know, you, when you put that much your soul into it and it for it to just like we, you know, done away with, that was really tough. Imagine going to those homecoming games and you know, all you're hearing is like the music on the speakers. There's no Ugh. band. I was just like, I would sit in the space where the band was. Like, that's the only place I could sit. That's how, you know, I it felt like I was in a stage of mourning because <laughs> I was just like, my band is gone. And so I actually developed the nickname as Band Lady to this day. You know, people call me that because within the alumni circle, because when it was dismantled, I went on a campaign, personal campaign, to get the band back. I would talk to the university administration. Now imagine I just finished school. So who, who am I to like go to the university and say, you need to bring the, bring the band back. But I was doing it. I was talking to them. I mean, I was close to, and this is how serious I was, uh, handcuffing myself to the administration office <laughs> if they were not going to listen to me. That's how serious I was about this. And to the point where like, I like, started to do like try to do some fundraisers I was getting the alumni I would go to alumni meetings and I would like passionately get up there and talk to them about how important the band was to my life and how mm-hmm. it made a difference with the university and why it was important like I had all these talking points and I remember when um, Dr. Perkins uh, our previous president amazing president he, we have a building named after uh, Dr. Claude, Claude Perkins um, and actually his, his wife is actually one of my Tie Beta Sigma sorors. <laughs> one of our, she came in with me with Tie Beta Sigma honorary members, um, along with me. And so he, he's like, he, I felt like he, he was the one that really listened to me and was like, the band is important to me as well. And I'm going to do what I can to bring the band back. And now this was, like I said, I finished in 2004 and this was up to 2000. I don't know what exactly when he started, but I want to say like 12 or 13. Um, and so the band came back really as a pep band. And of course I was not, that wasn't what I initially wanted, but I was like, okay, 
at least they're trying something. Mm-hmm. I have to. So I remember um, one of our alum, band alumni, when she passed away, she will, in her will, she put aside money. Miss um, um, Carol McCall Smith put aside money for the band. And it was because of that money that she, you know, bequest to the band that started the pep band. Wow. Um, well, shout out to her. Yeah. And her family. And I'm grateful. And always, um, she, when she passed, you know, definitely, she actually was one of the people that was helping me try to get the band back. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was in the band, I guess, in like, I want to say the 50s or 60s, she played clarinet. And um, just always still remembered her love for the band program. So when I was on my crusade to get the band back, she was one of those people who were, who was like, you know, willing to be the old, older voice of wisdom. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I did not chain myself to the office of the, <laughs> the president. <laughs> Somebody talked me off the ledge. Because right. I was like, look. Um, and I know I made some um, football f- players not happy with me, unfortunately. Because I, you know, I, I said that, you know, people come to the games for the band. And I, I, well. I feel like, what I was trying to get to at the time and say was, you know, we're just as much a part of the heart and soul of this university as the athletic programs. We're there, you know, I kind of made that case of, you know, without us, really, what is what's happening at the games? Like people need something in between. And, you know, I made that case. So I think people understood where I was coming from. Some of them did. And, but anyways, I think the whole factor of uh, working for the band, I had to go, I had to figure out how to represent the band in a different way. As an alumni, I had more of a voice. And, but I also had to put my own, you gotta, can't just say bring the band back, but what are you doing? And that's what they kept saying. Like, what is alumni doing to help? Because it's expensive to have a band program. Mm -hmm. And, you know, our university, it is a small private HBCU and, you know, we really had to pull up the resources, get donations, like to really keep the band going. So today, you know, we have an amazing band director, uh, Miss Facia Cousins. She, and with the program, uh, there's a band boosters. And so I am um, financial and active uh, mm-hmm. with that. Um, but before that, I was like, you know, we had our alumni band. Um, so because that big break in when we had band um it really it was hard because Mm -hmm. you have alumni who were part of the band in the 70s and 80s and 90s and then all of a sudden you have this whole new generation that's coming up um and so we've had to work through that and build like a relationship with the younger band alumni because all they know is the band as it is now And Mm -hmm. so we've had to, you know, really talk about, no, this band existed, you know, in, I want to say the fifties, forties, maybe forties. So it had been around for a while in different stages and um, even different names. Like some people know, you know, in that time they were like ocean of soul. There was the, uh, (laughs) yeah, it was, they had a lot of different names for the band. I just think about um, Texas Southern. That's, you know, no, they had, um, different names and I have to try to think of the other few names but um when I was in we our name became ambassadors of soul oh yeah so I remember that and -hmm. then um so that was under Sean's um Owens his leadership we actually had a name because 
the other names, they just never kept going with the program. Mm -hmm. So, and that was like different directors. And, um, but now, you know, we've had Miss Cousins now, um, I guess since that time. So I want to say since 2013, 2014. So um, being at the time, one of the few, you know, female band directors in the CIAA, um and or in HBCU bands period that, exactly so <laughs> um and I know I think ECSU has also a mm-hmm. female band director so they're um she took over the program and really had to make it out you know something out of essentially nothing and I think that was hard for a lot of alumni to realize that that band that you knew when you were there in the 70s and 80s and 90s it no longer existed it, it, you know, that some, she had to come and create something new and give it life. And, you know, I, I this day, like, I look and see them perform. Um, you know, they have a strong sound. Um, I know the university is really pushing to get this year with recruitment. Um, I'm excited to see the energy in terms of financial, um, seeing the backing of scholarship money, because we know at this point, people need money. <laughs> They need money to go to school. And if you're not offering the money to recruit, it's it's going to be hard. So, um, so getting- let's talk, yeah, let's, let's go ahead and talk about the book. So okay. uh, Maria is one of the authors of the second edition of the HBCU Experience, HBCU Band Alumni Edition. And I'm so glad that you could do this, this book um, when we were asking when um, I was talking to Dr. Um, Ashley Little about, you know, who would who would be good for this book. I said, you know, we had the first volume. Who re- is going to represent their school? And you were one of the first people to come into my mind. I'm not kidding. Oh, because, thank you. Yeah, no, because I was like, you know, you are the you are the person that I think about when when I think about Virginia Union's band and I was like, who else would be able to represent them um, except the band lady? <laughs> um, <laughs> so so without, without giving everything away, could you maybe talk a little bit about what you're going, what kind of things you, have you included in your chapter? Yeah, um, you know, going back to just talking about what is it like to be a small band in a sea of you know, you have huge, like, you know, SWAC, SIAC, like all these different <laughs> divisions of, you know, HBCU band or HBCU programs. And they're huge. I mean, talking about hundreds of members. And what is it like to be a private, small institution uh, that still has, like, you know, that name, that soul, like we're ambassadors of sound. That's the name we've adopted. And our, I guess, moniker, our mantra is like, you know, hardest working band in the CIAA. And Mm -hmm. I think that that's a a very appropriate um, title. Um, I always feel like it gives us room to to continue to grow and to continue to focus on um, quality. And I think that's something that throughout our band program, we've really worked hard to try to maintain quality. Um, that even when we were small, 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 like having that, you know, so I do talk about that and like, what is it like, how does it feel to be a program that is small and that often, you know, frankly, you know, people would make fun of us. Um, they would say really negative things. And this is probably how you got to know me. Cause I remember being in the, 
the fifth quarter, you know, in those chat rooms. And I was, I was going hard for my band. I'm like, y'all not going to dis- disrespect my band program. You know, I can break down because I was taught how to listen into different parts and stuff. Yeah. You may be bigger, but you know, all the reasons why musician, you know, um, as a musician, you suck. And, <laughs> and this is why, because I was yeah, taught. That's that why. That's what I'm telling you. Things. I'm telling you. So, you, like, you, you are like the image of Virginia Union's band for me. So I am, I'm so glad that you could, could be a part of this. Anyway, I think we're going to go ahead and close up our conversation, but I do want to say thank you so much. It's great having you and great hearing your story. And, you know, I did look over your chapter that's in the book and it's very good. And, you know, I wanted smaller programs to be represented because you all count and you all matter too. And, um, so I just want to make sure that y'all were well represented, but yeah, I yeah. appreciate that. And I think, I don't know if there's any other CIAA schools uh, represented this go round, but there will be, I, I, well, I'm definitely <laughs> proud to represent for CIAA mm-hmm. uh, and as someone who used to be a part of the all CIAA band and yeah. all that wonderful time. Mm-hmm. And I'm, you know, share some of that too, but you know, it's just really about keeping arts in schools keeping music in schools and how important that is and what it does to someone's life to be uh, a musician. I think um, it's the foundation. So I really appreciate um, hearing all the different stories and, you know, being a chance to get a chance to read other authors works and their personal experiences. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't wait till you you read them. It's going to be, it's a good read. We've got We've got good people. Oh yeah. man! <laughs> and before, so before it was like a cliche, popular thing. Before Beyonce used bands, and mm-hmm. all these different folks want to use marching bands. We were living it. Yeah, absolutely. It was, and so I think that's why this book is is really will be so important. It's like, what do those lives look like? Mm-hmm. And we're kind of like that different world, you know, that different world TV show, uh, you know, in in written form showing other students and others who read it why band matters and why it's still part of the HBCU experience. Yes, yes. Well, that's that's an awesome way to end it, girl. It was so good talking to you. <laughs> you too. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. You have listened to the HBCU Band Experience with Christy Walker. Interviews and editing conducted by yours truly, Dr. Christy Walker. The music is District 4 by Kevin McLeod. And you can find this podcast on hbcubandexperience.podbean.com. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Take care.